What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. I am so excited for you to hear this episode where I chat with the incredible Holly Grant, award-winning Pilates instructor, personal trainer, and creator of the Pilates PT training program, which aims to help people nourish, sweat, and strengthen the way to a lifelong wellness. Holly is on a wonderful mission to empower people of all sizes and abilities to develop a positive approach and love of exercise. As an ex-chef, she is totally against dieting and believes that a strong, functional, flexible body is key and that we should eat to nourish our bodies, not starve them. I could not agree more. With her down-to-earth personality and no-nonsense approach to training, it's to no surprise she has created a huge following and presence on social media as well as her own Strong Women podcast. Holly is also a contributing fitness writer for Psychologist magazine and a global brand ambassador for Sweaty Betty, as well as an author of her own book, The Model Method. Since our chat, Holly has been incredibly busy becoming a new mother to her gorgeous baby girl, Freya. Congratulations, Holly. After being frustrated by the way women are often made to feel about their bodies, Holly had a vision to break the current mold of fitness studios that focus on women's insecurities and instead set about creating environments that allow women to feel strong, safe and comfortable while looking after their body and mind. She is an absolute inspiration and in this exciting episode you will discover the importance of creating balance in your life through exercise how the body and mind work together, and the importance of nourishing and strengthen both. That fitness is individual, and you have to find a method that you enjoy, remembering that what works for one person will not work for everyone. The importance of listening to what your body needs, how to start thinking about exercise as a means of kindness to your body, rather than something you have to do. The power of saying no and remembering that sometimes being selfish can be the best thing you can do for everyone involved that life is too short not to make the most of every moment, and so much more. You are going to really love this episode, so let's get right into it. Hi, Holly. Thank you so much for joining me today on our Dream Life podcast. 
I'm incredibly excited to be speaking with you today. And I know our listeners are going to love hearing about all your refreshing and holistic approach to exercise, health, body confidence, and so much more. But before I get to your story, I can't wait to hear how it all began. I like to start by asking every guest a little bit about their childhood. I love to hear what were your dreams for the future when you were a child? What did you dream about being or doing? So I grew up with a father who was in the military. Yeah. So we moved around a little bit and then and never really had our own home. So it was always army houses where you can't decorate and you can't do anything to them. And then my parents actually split. So then again, there was a lot of moving around. And then at 11, I went to a military boarding school where, again, I didn't have my own room until I was 17. So I was in a dorm with lots of other girls, which was amazing. So by the time I was 17, I finally had my own room. Room. But again, you couldn't really do anything with it. You couldn't stick anything on the wall. And so I just, my memories growing up are, I just wanted more than anything to have security yeah. and to have my own home, even if it was just a studio flat, which eventually it was, that I could decorate that was mine, mm-hmm. that I was paying for with my money and that was just a place to call home. And then I guess jobs and career were just a way of getting that. But for me, it was less about what I wanted to be and more that I just wanted security and my own home. Yeah, that's interesting. Thanks for sharing that. It's interesting because when I was a child, I had all the security, but I never traveled and all I wanted was traveling. And now I have a girl. So I had, you know, I had privilege to be growing up on a farm, horses, you know, animals. And I, as a child, all I wanted was travel. And my little girl who travels the world all the time, all she wants now is a horse. (laughs) So we often don't want what we... We often want what we don't have, don't we, as kids? Agreed. And my husband kind of always says that because of that upbringing where, you know, I didn't really have my own things and was moving around a lot has meant that it's really helped me be so dedicated from a career point of view because I have to really work hard to make sure I don't lose that. Whereas I think for him, he had not necessarily a privileged life, but he had everything he needed. And so it almost can inhibit any sort of passion or drive um, because you're so used to having what you need yeah yeah interesting isn't it i love how our lives are so different but so similar in so many ways as well yeah so incredibly you are an award-winning pilates instructor and personal trainer founder of the revolutionary pilates pt studios creator of the model method training program and book as well as a fitness writer and brand ambassador for sweaty betty wow lots on your plate no doubt It's no wonder that people associate your name with their world of health and wellness today. But I know your life wasn't always headed in that direction. I'd love to give our listeners a little bit background on yourself. Perhaps you could share what you were doing before and how you came to be doing the work you're doing now. Sure. So I'll try and summarize it as briefly as possible, but it always feels like quite a long story. So as I said, I grew up with a father in the military. So he was in the parachute regiment. So they're kind of like the elite forces of the army. And so I grew up seeing him very, very active. He started off as a gymnast, then he was a boxer and he's done everything. And even now in his fifties, he's a strongman competitor. So very, very active. And I grew up seeing that as being the norm. And he taught me that if you are going to do something, you should 
do it and try and win, yeah. um, which is kind of the opposite of some of the upbringings that people would have. You know, he was like, if you're going to enter a race, you should try, try to win. So exercise is quite a big part of my life, but I'd always wanted to be a pastry chef. So I went to military boarding school, did even more exercise there and was going to leave at 18 and open up my own bakery. And they pushed me to go to university and they said, just get a degree just in case it doesn't work out. And I think that was really, really good advice. So I went to university, studied psychology because you couldn't necessarily study being a pastry chef. And psychology sounded interesting. And when I went to university, I realized how other women's experience with exercise wasn't the same as mine. So a lot of them would abuse exercise because they were putting on weight um, because they just went to uni or because there was a lot of pressure to look a certain way. And I realized that women and exercise had a really strange negative relationship. So my dissertation at university was on first year students and the prevalence of eating disorders because what I felt like I would find was that when girls go off to uni they no longer have their parents cooking their meals for them it's quite a promiscuous environment there's a lot of pressure and maybe eating disorders would be a little bit more likely so that was my dissertation I was really interested in that side of things and then when I left university I was offered an apprenticeship with the pastry chef I'd always wanted to work for so it was like literally the dream job moved to London studio flat absolutely so excited and then within a year I was very depressed very underweight I had very little money miserable really long hours you know lots of swear words at work you know you were treated just Mm. it just wasn't the dream job I thought it was going to be yeah so I quit one day I couldn't even work my notice period I just thought of going back into the kitchen filled me with dread And a friend of mine said, look, I'm working at a Pilates studio. They need a receptionist. Why don't you come and take that job while you get your head together, which I did. And then that was the start of my career in fitness around 10 years ago now. Wow. So it was not necessarily where I thought I would end up. But actually, when I look back, all of the signs are there. You know, I was already so active. I had a positive relationship with exercise. And that's dictated how I've built my business going forwards. So tell us a little bit about your business. Mm. I think I love your mission to empower people of all sizes and abilities to develop a positive approach and love of exercise. I'd love to hear more about your business to really understand and for our listeners to understand. But can you share a little bit more about how this mission came about? Great. So off the off the back of that, wanting to help other women have a positive relationship with exercise, I was the receptionist at the Pilates studio, fell in love with Pilates because it's all about creating a body that's functional and healthy and strong and flexible. And it's not about how your body looks. So it was very different to the other fitness that was available at the time, which was all about like weight loss and getting lean and, you know, killing yourself. And it was all very aggressive. Pilates isn't like that. It's about building up your body. So I loved that. I was then made manager of the studio. And then the instructors pushed me and said, why don't you go and do your training? Because we think you'd really love it. So I did my training and that was sort of the start of that. Worked in a few studios, then was made head trainer. So it kind of slowly evolved like that. And it was great. And I worked for other people and it wasn't that stressful. And I just got to turn up and teach. But I felt like I wanted more. I'd always wanted my own business. And I guess initially my thoughts had been that it would be a bakery. Um, But obviously that changed. 
But what I was seeing were women who were really strong, really functional, but they would say to me after class, you know, I I feel really strong, but I can't run around the garden with my kids or I can't run for the bus and I hate cardio. And I noticed that it seemed that women either did strength work and Pilates and yoga or they would do cardio Mm -hmm. and there was not much crossover. I can relate to that. (laughs) I think lots of women would say, I just hate cardio. I hate running. I hate swimming. So I had to try and find a way to incorporate the two because you can't really have one without the other. You've got two systems, you know, you've got strength and you've got a cardiovascular system and you need to use them both for optimal health. So I created a method that combined the two and pushed them into sessions where they kind of worked together and clients almost didn't really notice because it was high intensity interval training. So it was short bursts of cardio. So snuck it in and the results were amazing. And I saw these women suddenly start to think more about how their bodies performed and wanting to be almost like mini athletes. And it was such a positive relationship with exercise that they were developing rather than going for a run because they felt like they had to they just started to see their bodies in a different way and it kind of evolved from there that then snowballed we had to open up our own studio then we opened another one and it went from there but again at the heart of everything we do we always want to make sure that we're having a positive effect on women's perception of exercise and of their bodies, because unfortunately that's not standard in the fitness industry. And so everything that we do, every studio we open, every opportunity that comes up, we always try and work out like, does this go back to our mission? Is it going to help women have a better relationship with their bodies and exercise or is it going to make it worse? Yeah. Love that. So I absolutely love that Pilates PT method gives as much focus to mental health as it does to physical health. And I noticed that your online packs include affirmation cards as well as a subscription to Headspace, which is a meditation app for those who do not know that. I think this is so wonderful as mindfulness and positivity is something I'm also really passionate about. Can you explain the importance of tying this in a physical exercise and healthy eating together? Mm -hmm. So once we opened our studio, it's completely one-to-one. So it's mainly women, if I'm honest, and there's only yourself and the client in the studio at any one time. And so because of that, we would find that people were really quite honest in their sessions with us. So women would turn up to their session and they would initially say, when we'd ask them, why are you here? You know, I want to lose weight. I'm getting married soon. I want to be slimmer on my wedding day. You know, I I hate my body. It was always quite negative and Mm. coming from a place of hatred for their bodies and we would sort of nod along and at the end we would say look we can help you get fitter and healthier but actually we're not going to guarantee that you're going to lose weight because that might not be the thing that makes you happier so then something really amazing happens when people exercise they become much more open and as soon as they start sweating they become just so open and so honest and what we were seeing was that actually over time it wasn't women's bodies that were upsetting them or that they felt was the one thing missing in their life weight loss would make them happy it was that there was other stuff going on and often it would be to do with mental health not necessarily depression or anxiety but maybe they'd had a new baby recently and so they felt they'd lost their identity or maybe their husband was away a lot with work so they were lonely and they felt that changing their bodies was the one thing that they could control that might make them happier so we started to see that it's not as simple as just losing weight or not even as simple as getting healthier or fitter you have to consider your mental health as well and if your mental health isn't optimal I mean it doesn't have to be perfect because life isn't 
perfect. But if you haven't got a grip on the mental health side of things, you're not going to look after your body. So the two are so intertwined. And that's why we then would advise clients, you know, have you thought about doing more meditation or mindfulness, which is where Headspace came in? Have you thought about speaking to somebody, even if it's not a friend or your husband, maybe a therapist? And we found that we were having to incorporate so much of the mental health side of things into our training. So when we created an online version of our method, which is the Pilates PT method online, which is mouthful, we wanted to make sure that, again, not only would clients have videos and workouts to do at home, but that there was a mental health aspect. So we partnered up with Headspace. So everyone has access to Headspace while they do the plan. Affirmation cards. I used them back when I had depression. One of my favorite books is Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway yeah, by know, Susan Jones. It's funny, it's come up so many times. Has it? Yeah, every single time. Well, when I was, uh, whenever I mention it, I kind of feel like I know that it's this kind of cult book, but I've gifted it to so many people over the years. And one of the things that I really used a lot from that book was putting up some of the, the sentences that resonated me and putting them around my house. So affirmation cards, again, were something that we were always going to put in the plan. And, you know, I think it really does help. I think it's so important. And the reason why people start on fitness journeys and and don't ever finish them is because they put all the emphasis on the actual body and not much on the mind. Yeah, I so see that all the time. So tell us a little bit about for those people who are maybe not exercising as much as they would like and are thinking about it and want to do it, but not really sure where to start. What what kind of tips would you give to our listeners to, to get that going? So one thing we really promote is the fact that fitness is so individual. So we're always saying, like, don't listen to what Tracy down the pub tells you to do. So Tracy down the pub says to you, oh my God, I've been going spinning every week. I love it. I've lost a stone. You know, I feel great. And then you go to spinning and you hate it and you think, oh, maybe I just hate exercise. Maybe it's me. And actually it's probably not you. It's probably just spinning. I hate spinning. (laughs) I just, why would I sit on a bike for an hour when I could be outside cycling? So it's not always that you don't like exercise. So if you try spinning, you try what Tracy down the pub recommends, you don't like it, try something new. And it's just like finding the man or woman that makes you happy. You might have to kiss a few frogs. You may have some awful dates. You might go to some terrible classes. But if you keep trying different things, you'll find that one type of fitness that makes you happy. So for example, mine is something called bouldering, which is like rock climbing, but at lower heights and you're not cabled in. So you're using your body weight to climb you know and that's not necessarily something that lots of other women do but it really makes me happy and I crave doing that especially now I'm pregnant I can't do it so it's just I think my advice would be try lots of different things until you find the type of exercise that makes you happy and gets you out of bed in the morning if you don't like it don't do it yeah Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's funny. Someone actually told me once that what you resist the most is what you should do. So I tried that and I tried a few spinning classes and I was like, so not for me. Well, you know, get me out walking or yoga or Pilates is something that I crave as well. So, yeah. Well, that is another really important point that that we say to clients as well is, 
think about what you're doing for most of the day and try to choose exercise that's probably the polar opposite of that. Yeah. So one thing we see a lot of in London are clients who are in really stressful jobs, work really long hours. There's lots of adrenaline and cortisol at work, you know, big budgets, big deals going through. So super stressed, high alert all day. And then they'll finish work and they'll go and do a class that's also very similar, like really stressful, high intensity, very aggressive. And then they go home and then they wonder why they're completely burnt out. They can't sleep. They're yeah. really frazzled. So actually it's thinking, okay, so what am I doing during the day? You, we can't give up our jobs. We have to go to work. So if you are in that kind of frazzled, stressful environment, you're going to need the opposite of that, like yoga, to kind of balance you out. And it might be the thing that you find really boring because that's so different to your day, but it's what your body needs. Yeah. And then the same on the flip side, you know, if you're sat down at, at work all day and you barely move, you might want to go and get on a spin bike or go running after work. So yeah, try to balance your day and night time out yeah. with exercise. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's funny when I when I wrote the book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, one of my dreams for that year, I always work on five dreams every year. And one of my dreams was to become the fittest ever on that birthday, following birthday. And the fittest ever really triggered me to kind of really do hard stuff. And because, you know, I was traveling a lot and a lot of adrenaline anyway, I felt like the fittest ever wasn't really a good place to be. Place to be. I was more, what I really needed was movement every day, but mm. not. So I actually changed that dream, which I think is a good point here for everyone who is reading the book or or working on their dreams, that it is okay to change dreams, of course, if it's not right. So I actually changed it to do movement every day. So that made me more thinking, I mean, you know, still doing, you know, the, the adrenaline stuff sometimes but mainly for me it's like walking or yoga or pilates and stuff that I really feel like that my body needs so I think that's a really good point and something that I can definitely relate to and listening to your body is so important one of the the tests that we give clients new clients when they come to the studio is during the warm-up we'll put them on the treadmill and we'll get them walking and then we'll give them some 30 second runs and at the end of each run we'll say to them on a scale of one to ten if ten is really difficult how hard was that and the number of times people will say I don't know and you'll say well you know if 10 is really really difficult is it seven is it an eight and they're just looking blankly at you they're they're kind of just yeah I don't know I, I really don't know and they don't want to answer the question either and it's because we've become so almost incapable of getting this mind-body connection it's like we're split at the neck Mm. so people are so used to checking their heart rate monitors or checking their phones checking their apps to know where they are in their cycle putting their calories into apps that then tell them if they've eaten enough or eaten too little and we've forgotten how to actually just like think about how does my body feel today so with exercise I think it's so important that rather than saying I'm going to go for a run every single day this week it's on that day thinking, what does my body feel like it needs today? If I've been on a flight, maybe I need to do some yoga or Pilates. If I've been sat down all day and I'm, you know, I've got energy I need to burn off, maybe I'll go for a run and listen to your body rather than listening to your phone. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all that. That was fantastic. You are clearly someone who looks after life holistically and considers how our mental, emotional and physical cells work together to create who we are and I imagine you you are fairly good at scheduling your time to ensure you're making time for everything that matters I'm assuming (laughs) I would love to know 
how you manage to prioritize everything you do and do you have any daily habits that help you live your dream life? So I am terrible for being a yes person, especially because the job I'm in, it doesn't feel like a job. I, obviously, I know I'm working long hours and, you know, I'll be sat at my computer and I know I'll be at work, but it's I'm doing something I enjoy. So it's sometimes very easy to keep going and and say yes to everything so I have to be really careful about saying no and always checking in is this making me happy Mm -hmm. you know and if something isn't making me happy especially because I've seen how awful life can get when you are unhappy I do have to be really careful so I haven't got it nailed down and I do probably end up taking on more than I should, but I'm really, really strict about not working in the evenings and on the weekends. Mm. And I get really grouchy if I have to work on a weekend. So for example, I was at an event last weekend and the only reason I said yes was because it was just such a great event and I was going to be there with my other instructors. So I'd get to hang out with them as well. And it was kind of the last big teaching event I would do before my baby arrives. And so, you know, I only could say yes to that because I knew it would make me happy, but I have to be really strict that I will not work on an evening and a weekend, even if it means missing out on opportunities, there'll be Mm. other opportunities. And then a a big one for me was I used to try to meditate every morning. So I'd have breakfast and I'm really lucky that I work with my husband as well. And we had an office that's just been turned into the nursery. Mm. Um, But we had an office with a big long desk that we would sit side by side. And after breakfast, we would religiously sit down and do headspace together before getting on with the rest of the day. And the only problem is while I've been pregnant, I've had quite low blood pressure and meditation has actually made me feel really faint. Um, So I've had to stop doing it because I'm obviously just too relaxed. That's a good thing. (laughs) Yes. So, So I think it's just, it's being careful to not take on too many self-care tips. I think the danger nowadays is there is so much advice that people think like, I must remember to have hot lemon in the morning and then I must remember to do my headspace and I must remember to do this and gratitude journal. And I think it's picking maybe one or two things that you know that you can keep doing every day and do them religiously rather than trying to do so much that you then burn out and you do nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, we're all guilty of that. And yeah. of course, there's no no such a thing as a perfect life, but uh, we can all relate to that. And I think start with a couple of things and then build on them is definitely a good mm. place to start for anyone who wants to improve. Yeah, because especially some of those things will eventually become as normal as brushing your teeth. So then you don't even need to think about them anymore. They're just the norm. And then you can add another one in yeah. um, that you do have to remember to do every day. So yeah, it's just slowly building blocks. Yeah. Love that. Thank you. I'd love to talk to you about your Incredible Strong Women podcast. I um, recently started my own podcast, hence you being here, and I found that absolutely fascinating. First, because I get to meet these incredible women like you that I might not have come across. So I'd love to hear a little bit why you started a podcast and what has been your journey and your highlights so far. I think that obviously given my job, I'm speaking to people all day and especially I think with exercise, women tend to turn up quite nervous. You know, they don't know what to expect or maybe they've not exercised in a long time and they're worried that they might get judged. So they turn quite nervous and your job in that session is to make them feel really comfortable and get to know them and find out what they're passionate about and take their mind off of exercise, especially if they don't necessarily enjoy it at first. So I've always really enjoyed meeting new people, talking to them, finding out what makes them tick. 
And then through work as well, I would meet so many incredible women. We have lots of expert content on our online plan. So I'd meet all these women that would write expert content for the plan. And I would just find them so fascinating. And so I kind of felt that the women that are given a big platform nowadays tend to get that because they look a certain way or they're very good at marketing themselves. You know, if we think of like the Kardashians, they don't necessarily have a lot to contribute to the world, but they look a certain way and they're very, very good at marketing. So I felt like I just, I knew all these incredible women who had incredible stories and incredible careers that maybe didn't get the platform that they deserved. And I wanted other women to get to hear and find out and almost meet these other women as well. So that's where the podcast came from. I, I just, I wanted it to be a place where women could hear about other women's careers. So all these incredible jobs that some of us wouldn't even know were out there and what their advice is and how they deal with work-life balance and if they've had any issues with mental health themselves and how they've overcome that. So the podcast is all about strong women. It can be that they're strong physically or that they're just doing incredible things that are helping other women. And it always circles around three topics. So It can be wellness. That might be if they're involved in fitness or they're involved in meditation or they're a doctor. Uh, Career. So, you know, for people listening who might want to work in the wellness industry, they can learn all about these careers and how people got to where they are. And then mental health. Either have you had your own struggles that you've had to overcome or how do you look after yourself in today's world? And yeah, the, the reception has always been so great and the followers are really loyal And I just love that I get to meet all these incredible women, like you said, and I learn so much as well from interviewing them. So I love it. Yeah, it's incredible. Like I always, you know, sit with taking some notes and also I get to to meet all these amazing women. Why not share it? Because there's so, there's so much to learn and there's always a different perspective. Like sometimes, you know, you're interviewing people in the same industry, but there's different perspective. And I think we're all different and we can all take a little bit of each guest. So, yeah, yeah. So it's very exciting. Thank you. So while reading through your blog, I came across an entry that I found really interesting. It was where you outlined four changes you feel must be made to the wellness industry. I'm sure a lot of what you mentioned will resonate with our listeners. Can you share a couple of things that frustrates you the most about the industry and how you think we can begin to change them? So I have to be very careful that I don't get too negative on this topic. But 10 years ago, when I started working in the fitness industry, exercise was something that you either did or you didn't do. And you didn't really talk about it that much. You just did it because you liked it. And yes, I guess in the past 10 years ago, maybe weight loss was at the forefront of people's minds when it came to exercise, but it didn't necessarily have the platform that it does now. From a business point of view, 10 years later, it's amazing how big the fitness industry is and how most people now exercise or know that they should exercise. There's a lot more emphasis on everyone being more active. But alongside that has come lots of positive changes, but also It's like another stick for women to beat themselves with. And when we look at the marketing campaigns for a lot of the big gyms, they're often very aesthetic based. So we are still seeing women being pushed to exercise because they're not good enough. You know, you can be slimmer. You know, if you're slimmer, you will go on more dates. You'll meet that man. You'll get further ahead. 
the fitness models that are used for all of the marketing, you know, are very unrealistic. And so I've seen, whilst the fitness industry has grown and that's lovely in lots of ways, I've also seen the pressure on women grow. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily a, a positive thing, especially with the rise of fitness influencers, um, many of whom have a very positive voice, but then you might have someone who has a very big following on social media who is giving advice that is either unethical, not accurate, or not promoting a positive relationship with exercise. And people are absorbing that. Young girls are absorbing mm. that. You can't avoid it. So I think that the fitness industry has almost become like the fashion industry. And it's cool to be fit nowadays, but I'm not sure that it's always got the most positive influence on women's self-esteem. So we work really hard in that everything we do, we have to think, how is this going to affect women? So on our website, all the images that we use are on actual clients. So we don't use fitness models. All the people in the images, which they love, are customers of ours who genuinely train with us. And we don't mention weight loss on our website at all. Mm. Even though from a business point of view, I'm sure it would be great. You know, it just doesn't sit well with us. So I think the fitness industry is a really tricky one. And I think there are a lot of negatives about it. And we just all have to work together to be really ethical and not play on women's insecurities for the sake of profit. So yeah, I just wish everybody was on the same page. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I've heard you say that exercise should be undertaken as a means of kindness to your body for all of its vast benefits. So I couldn't agree more on this and believe kindness to yourself, whether through exercise or self-care is so important. I'd love to know how important this idea of kindness to you and how you incorporate this into your own life as well as your teachings. I think you covered some of that already, but it'd be yeah. good to... So one of the things that we see a lot are women doing things for their health because they feel like they should or because it's coming from a place of disliking their bodies. And we try to reframe it and we try to have clients treat their bodies like they would their best friend or their husband Mm -hmm. and treat their bodies like they love their bodies. So for example, you would choose to eat healthier and nourish your body because you love your body and you want to look after it and you want to praise it for all it does for you. And you exercise because you know that it will help you live longer and because your body deserves to move and it's been sat down all day. So it's trying to use that kindness kind of method towards everything that you do. Unfortunately, with exercise, like I said, the narrative around it has often been use it because you hate yourself, use it because you're not good enough yet. Mm -hmm. And we need to reframe that in our minds and, and see that actually There are so many benefits to exercise. Weight loss might be one of them. That's if you have weight to lose. You know, that's not a given. But weight loss might be a byproduct of exercising. But there are so many other amazing benefits to exercise that almost like put that weight loss one to bed. If that happens, it happens. And instead, be really mindful of all the other benefits you can get from exercise keep them in mind and then the weight loss thing becomes kind of more much more insignificant yeah absolutely so tell us I couldn't agree more and I sometimes 
when I speak to people, I feel like they forget that your body is actually doing all the work for you and then you should really look after it as if it was your best friend. So, yeah, I completely, completely get that. Tell us a little bit about the, all the benefits. of. I, know, I think most people know what the benefits of exercise is, but I think sometimes being reminded that it's not just about, you know, how good you look, it's about functioning better, living longer, etc. So tell us a little bit more about the benefits of exercise. Sure. So from a cardiovascular point of view, so the system that, you know, powers the lungs and the heart, every time you get your body working harder, you're pumping more blood around the body, which can help to power the muscles and almost kind of, I don't want to say detox the body, but, you know, oil all of the machinery and get it moving. That also can then help reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, it helps to regulate the hormones in the body. It can, you know, burn fat if fat is needed. Like we talk about visceral fat, which is fat around the core, which is probably the most dangerous type of fat and it comes from high stress lots of alcohol not enough sleep it's it's kind of linked to hormones it can help to regulate that which again reduces your risk of diabetes and cardiovascular disease for women you know as we get older and we approach menopause things like weight training is really important to help protect our joints and help increase our bone density and prevent us from things like osteoporosis we know that exercise has an effect on mental health so there are some studies although you know I've got to stay slightly, I don't want to say for sure, but there are some studies that show that exercise and the endorphins that are released when we exercise can be similar to that of antidepressants. So it's not saying come off tablets and exercise instead. It's just saying if you exercise, you know, that can have a similar effect. Self-esteem, you know, mental health, getting out of the house, Meeting new people is one that we, you know, we, we often forget about. But if you join a netball club or you go to a bouldering center, climbing center, someone will talk to you and someone will say, oh, have you thought about taking that route up the wall? And so it's a really sociable thing. There are there are so, so, so many. But from a health point of view, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. And so I think we just have to remember that our bodies are like a very amazing piece of machinery or a car and we need to look after them and exercise is one of the best things that you could do for your body. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So one of the things that I think constantly reminded of is when you go for a walk, even like the simple act of going for an hour walk in nature, you never ever come back thinking, I regret doing that. Like you always feel so amazing. So absolutely. So I think I always encourage people who are um, not doing anything. The walking is just so beneficial in so many ways and clears your head and gets your your body moving. And that's it. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be at home thinking, oh, I'm going to have to go and do an hour's run. It doesn't have to be that movement is movement. If that's you know, cleaning your house, dancing around your kitchen, going for a walk, walking the dog, that all counts as exercise. I think where it becomes intimidating is when we think that does have to be this very aggressive type of exercise. And on that note as well, one of the other kind of problems with the fitness industry is when we look at the type of person used in advertising exercise, it's not very diverse. So the types of bodies that are shown in yoga photos and gym, you know, walls tend to be white, middle class, blonde, slim women. So it's not very diverse. So if you're not, if you don't look that way, it's very easy to look at these images and think, well, I don't look like that. So this isn't for me. Like I'm not part, I shouldn't go do the yoga class. I won't fit in at the Pilates class. And it's realizing that that actually is so not the case. 
piece. Mm. Exercise is for everybody, no matter what you look like, big, small, you know, women of color, anything. Anyone can exercise. Don't be put off by the lack of diversity in the fitness industry at the moment. And yeah. it is changing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great point. So I know you have a world of knowledge and wisdom on living your best life, but if you could just give three tips right now to our listeners to live happier, healthier lives, what would that be? So I was on a talk recently and something that came up that I just thought that really is so true is we're often thinking that being selfish is a negative thing and that when you know, when we associate somebody with being selfish, it's to the detriment of other people around them. But actually, I think being selfish can be a really positive thing. So for example, if you've had a really rubbish day at work and you get home and you know your husband's waiting there and he's really eager to chat, if you know that you're in a terrible mood and you might not be giving your best self across, there's nothing wrong with being like, I'm really sorry, can I just go and have a quick bath and then I'll come back and then I'm all yours. And being selfish and going and having that bath and taking that time for you because you need it and then coming down and being a better version of you. Mm. So I think it's really important, especially for women who are always wanting to please everyone else, especially if you have children, you're putting everybody else first. I think sometimes being selfish can be the best thing that you can do for everybody involved couldn't agree more <laughs> um, making peace with what you can't change so you know it's very it's very tempting to want to change everything and being disappointed you know if your boss is horrible or you know you feel a certain way but just making peace with the things that you can't change and thinking about how can I deal with these things better so you know if you have a terrible boss you're probably not going to be able to change that but how can I not let how they treat me come home with me how can I learn to be more resilient to how horrible they are yeah really good one And then going back, I know I mentioned it earlier on, but making choices based on love, not hate. So everything that you choose to do for your body, be it the diet that you eat, the exercise that you do, you know, going to bed on time, do these things because you love yourself and you want to look after yourself, not because you think that you are fat or ugly or you will be more likable if you're slimmer. Mm. Love them. Three really wise things there for everyone to take note of. Thank you so much for sharing that. Something that I share in my book is that I found great inspiration from others. So people that I meet and I love to get inspired by other people's dreams and experiences. Who would you say inspires you? So it's not any, it's not a specific person or a celebrity or anyone I've met. But who it is are my clients and the people that connect with us on social media because we're hearing the pointy end, like the worst end of what diet culture and the wellness industry have done to people. And, you know, we tend to find them at their lowest, I think, because we say, you know, we're not here to make you lose weight. We're here to make you feel better. We tend to get the people who just are really, really low. And so I'm constantly inspired to try to work harder, shout louder, bang the drum more by those clients to make sure that less women are 
affected by diet culture and what the wellness industry is doing to them. So, so yeah, listening to their stories, listening to their progress, listening to the feedback that we get from people on social media, that inspires me every day and means that I don't see this as work. I see it as just something that I, I'm passionate about and I want to do because I want to make a difference. You know, and if I can also pay my bills on time, then that's a bonus as yeah. well. Yeah, I love that. It's very similar to me because I uh, get people to share their dreams because of they have uh, been inspired by the book. And I think that is so inspiring. And the, the most inspiring are the ones that didn't think that they could change and have now changed to something completely different, whatever that is for them, because mm-hmm. it's about their individual dreams and living a life true to themselves. So, you know, I'm all about dreaming and all about, you know, what would you do if you couldn't fail? If you could write down three dreams that you want to achieve in your lifetime, what would that be? What comes to mind? Wow. The danger is, you know, when people ask you to write like goals and they say they have to be smart, so specific, measurable. Don't have to be smart today. (laughs) I could, yeah. I always think, gosh, that's so much pressure. But I think the the main one for me is just is happiness. Like whatever that looks like. And that might look like having a successful career. That might look like having like just a really regular, like go to work, come home, forget about work career. I don't really know what that looks like, but just being happy and content because I think once you've had depression, you'll never forget how awful that felt and how low you felt and how completely helpless you felt and I will do everything I can to never be there again so you know that doesn't necessarily mean I have to be the richest person in the world the most successful person in the world I just want to be content yeah that's a really good dream. And I think, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you read my book, I encourage people to really forget about their goals because I think sometimes when you do goals, you you actually think about where you are today and then you might push yourself a little bit more or, you know, stretch yourself. While if you dream and just say, well, what would I do if I couldn't fail? If I had all the money, the resources, the knowledge and the energy in my life, what would I actually do with my life? And that is a really beautiful space because actually there's nothing about when you need to do it or it's more Mm. about, you know, if I could have anything that I actually wanted in my life, which means, you know, career, but also means that some people might want to work less or some people might want to, you know, support a community or something they're really passionate about that, you know, has nothing to do with their career. It could be a passion project on the side. And it could also be about, you know, travel, where do you want to live and, you know, things that you want to do. And it's a it's a beautiful exercise. So I'm giving you a book uh, <laughs> as you're leaving here today. And, uh, and it's a beautiful thing to do. Well, I read something that you'd written about how, you know, when we're children, we dream really big and then as we get older you know those dreams get smaller and smaller and we almost don't want to dream and I think it's because when you do dream and you're open about it people can often mock you or be like (laughs) it's seen as you know just not being particularly the whole reason why we say you know with goals that should be smart is so that there's boundaries and you can check whether you've managed to do them but then I think that completely limits you whereas I love the the emphasis that you put on like dreaming big and they're not being boundaries and it doesn't have to be that it's necessarily measurable and then I think that just opens up opportunity yeah and I meet people all the time and I meet specifically the people that I meet most who are making the biggest changes are those people who are very clever and go to really good schools and get a really good degree and a really good job and then they feel almost stuck in Mm. that side because they might support they might be the number one who supports the family or it might be that they are 
maybe pressured from parents or peers or, you know, they've always been good at that certain things. But when you're actually just asking yourself, what would you do if you couldn't fail? And if you had all the money, the resources and the knowledge and the energy, because I think that's really important that we can, we have the energy to do everything that we want to do, what would you actually do with your life? And some, you know, some people come from law and they might just want to do, they might want to do what you're doing in the fitness industry or might be a doctor who wants to build a house. I mean, it, you know, it could be whatever. Mm. And um, and that's what I love about dreaming. And that's why I felt so passionate obviously writing a book about it yeah. because I think so many of us forget as kids we're very good at that and we kind of forget about that and and often we are formed into you know by schools or parents or peers or ourselves sometimes of course yeah. um, and it's a it's a beautiful exercise and often can find some beautiful things and it's not just about achieving big dreams it's also about you know if you could dream anything about your health what would that look like so then it gives you the right probably the right exercise and and the right things for you if you can dream about anything because so. mm, you can so easily get pigeonholed as well and and like you said kind of get on this hamster wheel of career and you know mortgage and wife and kids and forget to check in with yourself like am I actually happy am I still happy is this making me happy until eventually it's too late and yeah. you're so far in that there is no alternative so I think it's really important to keep checking am I happy am I fulfilling my dreams yeah or am I doing this because this is just all I've ever known yeah yeah Absolutely. Beautiful. If you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them live their dream life, what would you say? I think it would be to not wish your life away. Mm. I heard a comedy sketch ages ago, and I can't remember who it was by, but it was this guy saying, you know, when him and his girlfriend first met, you know, you think, oh, wouldn't it be amazing when we're married? And then you get married and you're like, oh gosh, it was so amazing when we were just dating. And then you're married and then it's, and you're thinking, oh, wouldn't it be amazing when we have a child together? And then a child comes along and you're like, oh God, remember when we used to go to the cinema and we didn't have a child? <laughs> and, you know, you're always like wishing your life away or thinking life will be so much better when I get that promotion or when we have a baby or when we're married and actually gosh like life just goes so fast mm. that enjoy every single stage and the, the next stage will happen anyway but you just have to be more present and enjoy the time you have now and try not to look to the next goal each time and just enjoy the stage that you're at and I guess for me right now you know it's so in these final few weeks before the baby arrives it's so tempting to be like oh I can't wait to just like get this done and get have the baby but actually you know I should really enjoy this time where I don't have to worry about them and me and my husband can go to the cinema and go for dinner and things like that so I think it's just being really present enjoying the stage that you're at right now and not wishing your whole life away mm, such a good such a good advice and I couldn't agree more I have a exercise in my book where I encourage people to think about if their life were to end in three years time it's a very confronting exercise for a lot of people but I think it's a really important one because we all know that one day life is going to end and it's a good reminder to know that what you want to do you know and what you're doing right now is so valid mm -hmm. and making sure that you do everything that makes you happy and makes you you know you tick and the exercise with you know, if you were only to live another three years, you know, considering that your health is the same and everything stays the same in terms of your health and what you're doing, 
what would you actually do differently today? And that often gets you back into the present mm. and it connects you with your heart versus your head. And I often find myself that the things that if my life were to end in three years up, it's often has to do with family and, you know, things for myself and really connecting with things that you cannot sometimes take for granted and, mm. and um, calling your parents or, or things like that. So it's a good exercise to do as well. Well, about three years ago, me and my husband lived in London. We'd lived in London for years. He was doing the kind of corporate route, working in recruitment, long hours, lots of business lunches, boozy business lunches, high pressure. I had my studio, but I was working there every day, all day, 10 clients a day. So really tired, probably losing a little bit of the love for it and not putting myself first. And just in this kind of rat race, you know, hamster wheel. And one night we were getting ready for bed and we got a phone call from my husband's brother. And we were like, oh, what's this? And it was a phone call to say that my husband's mother had been in a car accident and she died. So that night we literally packed up the car, put the dog in the car, drove to Oxfordshire where my husband was from to go to sort of pass the news on to my husband's mum's mum, so his grandma, and be with her. And in the car on that drive, which felt like the longest car journey in the world, Stuart kind of said, I don't think I want to do London anymore. Like, I think we should leave. And I was like, you know what, actually, I'm kind of there as well. So let's do that. And overnight, we left London. I went from five days a week at my studio to nothing. I let my girls take over and then eventually went back to two days a week. We moved in with my husband's dad, my father-in-law, for a few months until he was like, when are you guys going? <laughs> like, when are you leaving? And then we bought our own house out in Oxfordshire. And, you know, overnight, everything absolutely changed. And it was such a horrific experience. I, I cannot tell you how awful it was. But off the back of that, it was the quickest way to realize like what is important Mm -hmm. and you know Stuart gave up his job and eventually now he works with me on my business and so we get to work from home together every day we left London we realized it wasn't serving us anymore you know we make more effort with our families and we just realized what was important we very quickly got engaged and then married because we've been faffing about for so long and so I think as much as it was horrific and it was the worst thing that's ever happened to us there have been lots of positives Mm. strangely that have come off of the back of it and so I think that was yeah a really awful way of realizing like work out what is important to you because you don't know how long you have left no no it's such a good point and you know that's that's the whole idea with that exercise to really I'm really sorry that you had to go through that because that's like the worst thing you can ever go through having someone die so quickly mm, because mm. you you just, you know, and that's where you, you know, if you put yourself in that situation, it's like, if that was to happen to me, what would you actually do? But there is, of course, always a positive and a negative. And that's another way that I always talk about that because um, even when we go through really, you know, depressions or really tough situations, whatever that is, there's always a positive because that could be the whole change. It doesn't feel like that at the moment, but yeah. sometimes, you know, for you, that was like changing completely to living somewhere else. And And for most of us, that happens when something like that happens. But I'm hoping by getting people to think about that three-year, like, you know, if I was to die. And I actually did that exercise once on a plane and my son wanted to come with me on a trip. And I said, no, um, you're not coming because you've been, you need to go to school at some stage. I I bring him a lot of trips. And uh, when I did this exercise on a plane, and I do this all the time, but I do it in different environments and I do it just to really get connecting because I'm a bit of a head person as well because, you know, I'm driven and I like to do a lot of 
other things and I like to to explore as much as I can. But when I did that exercise on that one hour flight, the first thing that came to mind is that if I was to die in three years' time, I'd actually bring Axel to my next trip because if I was to die in three years' time, I want him to actually remember me on a trip, not being in school and me being away. So kind of you really – and, you know, sometimes you cannot always do those things that comes to mind, but that was was a really – worthwhile exercise and something that you know and when I touched down and this was a flight between Melbourne and Sydney and when I touched down and I called him because he'd been dreaming about it to to come with me to Philippines he said mum dreams really do come true (laughs) and you know now he's turning 11 this year and I'm just thinking you know in a couple years time he probably doesn't want to come with me anymore you know in a different way so it's just a good one so that was a beautiful way of ending this conversation but before we do I would like to finish off by asking you a few quick questions that I would know our listeners would love to hear such an avid reader so i always interested to know do you have a favorite book and if you do what is it and why so again it would be the feel the fear and do it anyway by susan jeffers because i have gifted it to so many people and they've been going through rough times and some of them will have read it some of them won't have and that's completely fine but it's a book that you can kind of dip in and out of take from it what you need but it basically for me i read it when i was at the worst of my depression and there were small quotes that just felt like they were talking to me that I would then write down on post-it notes and stick them on my mirror and read them in the morning and it just teaches you that you know that life isn't going to be perfect and that things happen and but that you will deal with it and you will be fine and it's not the end of the world and it puts a bit of perspective on things and yeah I loved it and I have just given it to so many people yeah I love that it's come up quite a few times I think it's one of those classic ones that a lot of people enter their personal development reading that book because Mm -hmm. I think fear is something that we all have and self-doubt etc it's a really good book for that and it's funny I was doing a podcast recording yesterday with Marianne Power she's written the Help Me book and she basically read 12 self-help books over a year so one book every month and she decided to do everything that they say and she started and it's a hilarious book everyone needs to read it because it's so funny and she's so brave to actually share all these things but the first book she started with was um, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway and she did some crazy things like she jumped out of a plane and she she was a naked model for uh, you know paint drawing like black drawing and she did so many things it was um, so I recorded yesterday and we had such a good laugh and uh, the book is a really good one so I highly recommend that one too because yeah. that's really will bring you back to that fairly free and do, do it anyway and she basically did everything it's amazing oh wow <laughs> yeah I'm so tempted now yes, yes. It's I, wish risky. I, had, I wish I had this back up here but yeah really good <laughs> do you have a favorite Kiki K product or a favorite stationary product so another thing that I have gifted many times and I don't know if you still have it was it used to be like a happiness journal I think yeah, it was yellow we do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we do um, so I've gifted that to my mum my best friend Aww. just because I think that like we were saying earlier on, it can be really overwhelming to know what to do when you're in a bit of a lull and there's so much advice out there, go for a run, do this, meditate. And actually, I think something sometimes the simplest thing is just to have something in front of you that 
tells you what to write down. So, you know, maybe write down three things you're grateful for or three things that you were good at today that forces you to do that. And you don't actually have to then remind yourself every day and think about it. And so I gifted that to so many people. Plus it looks lovely and it's a great gift. And again, I'm sure they've all used it. But yeah, that's one of my favorite Mm. things. And I know that there's also, um, I think, because I hadn't been able to find it recently, so I thought you'd got rid of it. But then, so then I moved on to the Thrive version of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah, Thrive is great too. And that was a collaboration with Ariana Huffington. So uh, that was a really good book. Yeah. yeah. The, the Happiness Journal actually came about when the financial crisis were really happening. So quite a few years ago. And I was so sick of hearing about how tough everything was. And I'm like, we need some more happiness in the world. And, yeah. so, and I didn't, I've been very fortunate and never suffered from depression. But I felt like the environment you're in is who you become. So if it's really negative environment, you become mm. that. So I was like, nah, we all need a bit of a positive and yellow was big and I mean, was a happy color. So, yeah. so thank you. I love that product too. And we actually do happiness workshops as well for anyone who have access to a Kiki K store. Obviously this is a global podcast, so not everyone would have that, but my little dream is to do them online so we can actually give more people the option of doing the workshops that we're doing yeah. to help people. Tell me a little bit about what's next. So you're obviously expecting your first baby. Yes. Yeah. So um, more than that, what's happening? So are you going to take some time off or are you going to continue working? Um, <laughs> I think that when you have your own business, mat leave doesn't really actually happen. But I'm very lucky that I'm in a position where I can work from home. So I have completely cut back on my teaching now, but I have a team of incredible female instructors who are just so lucky to have. So they look after the studios, they do the teaching, but we have been working on a kind of pre and postnatal fitness plan that I've been doing alongside where I am in my pregnancy because pre and postnatal fitness is a bit of a gray area. Yeah. If you Google, am I allowed to run when I'm pregnant? You know, it's a real minefield yeah. and it's a, it's an area that you can't really test. You can't take a group of pregnant women make them spin every day and see who has a miscarriage. Like it's a very unethical thing you would do. So I think that when women, especially active women get pregnant, all of a sudden they're just so confused and so wary. And so they end up doing nothing during their pregnancy when actually being active while you're pregnant is one of the best things that you could do. Yeah. Reduces your risk of any mental health kind of slip ups, you know, great for baby, great for labor. It can speed things up. It can speed up your recovery. So that's a big push of ours now now that I've experienced what it's like to be on the receiving end of that yeah and ideally we want to keep rolling out the studios because I feel like we you know yeah we we get to meet yeah they're making a difference and obviously the podcast keeps growing with the pre and postnatal we'll be doing a podcast with that that's purely around pre and postnatal and so yeah and just I think mainly again shouting a bit louder and banging the drum and trying to be at the forefront of changing the wellness industry for the better. Yeah, beautiful. What an amazing future. I'm excited to to follow your journey and see all the good things that you do. One last question for you. If you could go back to your younger self, say when you were in your late teens, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? I think I would just tell myself that everything will be okay in the end. Yeah. Like everything works out in the end. And like you said earlier on, even when things are really, really, really rubbish, you will look back on those times and think, well, it's difficult with losing Stuart's mum. There's no reason why that happened. But for most things, everything happens for a reason. So me having depression and giving up, you know, that dream career 
there was a reason for it. Like I'm in a much better place now and that will never happen again. So I think, yeah, it would just be knowing that everything happens for a reason and everything will work out in the end. Yeah. What a great way of ending this very inspiring episode. Thank you so much first for taking your time. I know you have a very full schedule and you need to look after yourself and making the most of before you have children. But thank you first for everything that you do to the world in terms of really banging that drum to really changing the fitness and the the perspective around that and for changing people's way of doing exercise and really inspiring people to live their best life and their dream life. So thank you so much and the best wishes for your baby. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. I just loved speaking to Holly. She is truly an inspiration in how she is dedicated to changing the way the world uses exercise and fitness. I hope you enjoyed our chat as much as I did. Something I really loved was how Holly encourages us all to treat our body and mind with kindness and how she believes that listening to your body and also checking in with yourself is the first step to living a happier and healthier life. This really resonated with me as it's so aligned with my ideas on how we can all live the life of our dreams. We just need to take the time to pause and consider what we really want out of life. This is so incredibly true. And whether you want to feel healthier or happier, change careers, change habits or chase a new dream, anything is possible when you start focusing on what you really want. If you're looking for more inspiration on how you can work toward living a life you love, as well as guidance and simple steps to help you uncover and chase your dreams, whatever they may be, grab a copy of my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here. You'll find plenty of chapters around finding and following your passions, the power of living with purpose, how to turn your dreams into bite-sized actions, and really start on the path to living your dream life. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe for plenty more inspiring episodes. And please tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. I would also love your help to spread this inspiring message on the importance of realizing and chasing your dreams. So please share our podcast on social media with the hashtag 101 Million Dreamers. Until next time, don't forget to dream big and chase your dreams. <laughs>